Hi guys, Tom from Stonewolf here. We're a UK-based fitness apparel brand who sponsor the Shire Fit team. We'll be releasing our brand new performance t-shirts on the 31st of August 2023 and they'll be available in teal and blue. They're performance-based because they're sweat-wicking and antibacterial. You can find these on our website, stonewolffitness.com and use the code SHIREFIT for 10% off. Hello. Welcome back to the Sharpet Podcast, everybody. Uh, this week, we have a new guest. Are you a guest? It's Johnny Landles 2.0. <laughs> um, I suppose he's not a guest. He's a full-on member of the team and previous podcast um, host. Yeah, I've been on before, yeah. yeah. Um, he's an actor at it. Yeah, we realise Johnny doesn't know too much about nutrition, so he's come to the, the real The guru, real king of nutrition, guru, yeah. Yeah. Um, KFC Turner um, <laughs> is now on the show, guys. Um, this week, we have a, a question about additional cardio for the older athlete. Lots of questions from mature athletes, which is good. Uh, the strength section is about protein. So obviously, we brought Jack in as an expert. Protein. To, <laughs> to uh, give his incredible uh, insights into nutrition and then uh, the workout is about what really works to improve mobility um, coming from someone who has struggled with mobility for years me and someone who has not struggled with mobility for years jack me um cool so we'll dive straight into it uh which is so starting with the question from matt smith who is an north leeds member matt asks should a 44 year old who does six days a week at ShireFit, be doing anything else for cardio fitness? Ooh, it's a very specific question, that it is, is. 44. Yes. I mean, it'd be very different from a 43-year-old uh, <laughs> to a 45-year-old. Yeah, yeah, 44, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what, what, go on, Jack, dive into it. What would you say to Matt? Um, well, I think you really got to look at what Matt's sort of goal is beforehand. Uh, what, what, what is he training for? Is it just to kind of stay fit and healthy, or is he training for an event, a marathon, etc., And then I think then that can sort of dictate your answer. Yeah. What's your opinion on that? <laughs> um, yeah, bang on, mate. Yeah. yeah, so it's all in relation to his goal. Like, if Matt wants to run a marathon um, in a really competitive time uh, next year, then potentially you might look at adding some cardio in there. Um, but... Yeah, there's so many factors. It's like everything we do on this um, podcast, really, the simplest questions are the longest answers. Yeah. So, you know, it's what is Matt, where, what are his goals? What's he trying to achieve? And then is it appropriate from there? Um, I will jump in and just try and sort of dive in a little bit towards Matt, because I, I, um, I know him as an athlete. And he's a beast, mate. Cardio, anything oh, cardio. Yeah, yeah sure especially running. He's yeah. an absolute animal. Um, and I think maybe Matt is kind of a bit stuck in this old mindset of like being cardio fit makes you fit. fit yeah, yeah the, the term fitness um, maybe is is uh, a little bit narrow in Matt's mind and that if he's not cardio fit, i.e. he can run fast and far um, and, you know, smash the machines, he doesn't feel fit. Yeah. But I suppose what I'd like Matt to do is expand his... Um, view of fitness to the 10 um, components of fitness which include other things you know like neuromuscular skills and strength and power and all those other things so um, there's a broader spectrum of fitness um, which 
you know, is covered in Shafiq classes. We've got all 10 components we're trying to build. Um, and if he deems that cardio fitness is the best one for him and he really enjoys cardio fitness and that's how he feels the best, then cool. Like, go for it, mate. Do a bit of extra running here and there if you need to. But don't feel like you're not fit if your cardio is a little bit lower, yeah. especially during a phase that we're in now, which is the build phase we're focusing on strength. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I completely kind of agree with what kind of Max says. If it doesn't unsort of your your goal, I think for now, if, if your goal is to be good at the machines and be, be fit at those, and that's maybe where you maybe drop one of the strength strength sessions in the week at, 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 in the classes and focus more on maybe get an interval session on the machines or et cetera. But I mean, you're already training quite a lot within, within the week anyway, six days a week. So I think you add stuff on top of it and you compound um, the progress that you can make in sort of other areas. Yeah. I think there's always that big saying is that you can only, you only get better from the training that you recover from. Um, yeah. And if you're adding doing six days a week already, then adding extra sessions on top of that, you can kind of dampen the stimulus that we're after, especially in the sort of strength phase that we're, that we're in now. So mm. I think for you, it's like, look at what your goals is. Is it to get stronger? Is it to get better at CrossFit? And then by the sounds of it, you're really good at the cardio fitness side of it now. So for you, you might find you, you get better, um, more stuff out of practicing gymnastics or doing that extra strength section when the cardio fitness. So mm. we, we haven't really touched on the 44 year old because that, that's a piece, right? Mm. So diving into that is like, should a 44 year old be doing more? I think is implied in the question. Yeah. Um, which I would say probably not the opposite. Actually, mm. I would say as an elder, an older athlete, you probably need to focus and bias more towards strength yeah. than, than, cardio because um that's the type of thing that's going to drop off as you get older your strength's going to go down naturally your range of motion is going to go down naturally so doing more flexibility or mobility work interesting segue to the end yeah. um doing some strength yeah. work um doing loads of bench yeah a bit of bench day. yeah a bit of bicep curls whatever um doing that is probably better for a 44 year old if their goal is to be all-rounded yeah you know be an all-rounded all-encompassing athlete who can achieve you know a number of things mm. if that 44 year old wants to be a good marathon runner don't do strength yeah <laughs> less much uh, <laughs> and there's another part as well which is a holistic picture so what jack gave was a brilliant um, roundup of fitness but, you know, the question, should a 44-year-old who does Charlotte six days a week be doing anything else with fitness, can't be answered without saying, like, well, how much does that athlete sleep? Mm, yeah. um, how much does that athlete eat? Yeah. Have they got good relationships? Are they stressed out from work? Because you might say, yeah, of course, yeah, if you want to be cardio fitness, like a uh, cardio fitter, then do three extra sessions a week. But that three extra sessions might take away from something else in there. Exactly, life. yeah, 100%. So, yeah. There's a big picture to take into account. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're like six sessions a week, that's just your limit in terms of time, sleep, mm. food and nutrition at the minute, then something's got to change. Something's got to give, allow to give those more sessions. Like, like you said, your family time, you've got to eat a little bit more, you've got to sleep a little bit more. So you've got to maybe sacrifice other elements of your life. And if you're happy to do that, then that's cool. That's a, something you can do. Yeah, I hope that was useful, Matt. Um, like always, if you have a follower, then uh, just get in touch with me or Jack. Yeah. On to the strength section, which uh, is our take on a popular fitness concept. The strength section this week is that everyone should be eating more protein. Yeah. Now this podcast was planned originally for Johnny, you know, who adds adds a little a little bit more expertise than me and Jack yeah. in this area. Um, what do you think, Jack? Um, 
He's oh, going to try and give a serious answer now. Yeah, I'm going to try I and give a serious answer without saying He desperately wants to joke. Without saying Greg's. <laughs> um, I think in terms of, like, I think, it's really hard to, I don't know where I'm going to go with this. You need to give me a bit of direction. I was going to say something like really vague as in like, depends again, I mean, on your sort of, your goals, where you're at, mm. that makes sense? Like, mm. like right now, build, build, build a season or build cycle. Yeah, mm. everyone should be smashing loads of protein. Mm. Like, you need to be eating more because you, you're only going to get stronger by eating in a, in a, in a surplus, aren't you, essentially? Mm. And uh, protein is like a big, big factor in that. Um, and also aids in recovery. Um, mm. you know, I think you definitely see people who don't get as much protein, struggle a lot more, mm. um, developing strength and struggling a lot more in terms of the recovery element of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, again, it's like, what's the basis? <laughs> Even yeah. more from what? I mean, um, it's, it's openly vague. Yeah. It's, it's intentionally yeah. vague, these strength sections. So just, I suppose, yeah, it's a bit of an unfair question to ask. But I suppose, like, so my take on it is, you know, there is this absolute kind of concrete Instagram notion that everyone's not getting enough protein, yeah. which kind of is and isn't true to a certain extent. So um, it is true that, the general population under eat on protein mm. and over eat on refined carbohydrate yeah. just based on you know education finances you mean well, five crossings for breakfast and night not ideal no. in terms of protein yeah. yeah um so that is a general truth um however if you are health conscious you've got a balanced very diet of real whole foods you know because you're interested in your health and nutrition and your performance in CrossFit, then you probably are getting enough. Yeah. And maybe a little bit of additional here and there is so, so try and give people a con trying to give people a concrete answer to this is like, no, I don't think everyone should be eating more protein, especially within this echo chamber mm -hmm. of the CrossFit world, because people here already buy the protein bar instead of the yeah. chocolate bar. They already buy, you know, they already make sure they have eggs in the morning because they don't want to eat cereals because they're full of sugar and all yeah, these things. I, I, so if you're making conscious choices towards increasing your protein, no. If you're in this unconscious world of just grabbing whatever's around you because it's easy, well, then your chances are your protein is low and your carbohydrates are low. Yeah, I think uh, that there's, there's definitely like, I think I'm just generalizing with our members that, that a lot of them compared to the general population do eat well. I think yeah. naturally with the terms of the the sort of style of training that we do, like obviously you expend a lot of energy, don't you? Mm. And I think when you are like, I don't know, if I had a pack of croissants, I could eat the whole pack of croissants. Does that make sense? Whereas, <laughs> if, it, yeah. <laughs> whereas if, um, I don't know, like a, something a lot more protein fills you up a lot more, doesn't yeah. it? Essentially, I think like naturally people, when they're training a lot more or a lot of that sort of environment or expend a lot more energy, then they do tend to sort of go down that route, does that make sense? Mm. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I can't articulate it very well. Yeah. So you're trying to. Well. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we didn't get yeah. um, they, I think what you're trying to say is a balanced argument of mm. like, let's not demonize protein, let's not demonize carbs. Mm. That, you know, Jack needs energy to fuel his day, his working day, and his training. Yeah. So he's okay to eat his croissants in the morning. Yeah. But he is also conscious of the fact that he needs good quality protein yeah. to recover from training and yeah. build muscle tissue I mean, and all those good things. So he does also increase his protein intake. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who's never, never tracked calories. I might, yeah. like, maybe once, I think Tara wrote me a plan and I think I stuck for it for about a month and after that, I kind of went, went back to the thinking. every single person yeah. that gets a plan. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think 
it generalized like I've never had like a set and this may be something that I need to dial in later down the line but it's something I've never had a, a set like I need to eat at this time I need to have this meal there I, I kind of eat when I'm hungry etc but when I'm sort of basing my, me- my meals in general like I'll I'll usually go off the protein source yeah, usually so, sausages usually sausages yeah I've not had sausages for a little bit of a while but like I'll usually base my sort of meal off off that sort of protein source and kind yeah. of go from go from there um yeah. yeah. Let's not dive into your eating habits. No, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just, this is like the one off day that I've not had a Greg's in the morning. Yeah, so, uh, so I think like, yeah, just to sort of back that up is like, you're an elite athlete, if you don't mind me saying so. Yeah. Yeah, you're an elite athlete, um, perform, training for probably four hours a day, walking on your feet for, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so you, you can tolerate, you know, I think there's a, I think where I was trying to go with that is I think there's a lot of intuition with it. Does that makes sense? Yeah. I think there's but, like, but I think actually, people do you know what? And... I've been holding in some stuff on here that I probably shouldn't. So there is a level above nutrition, which is perception. Mm. And Jack is, for everyone who's listening, Jack is so good at his perception in that he sees food as fuel. It, you know, doesn't matter if it's croissants or a lean chicken breast, it's fuel, it's good for him and he needs it. And so I think that plays a massive role in. Well, it has been shown, you know, in a lot of Huberman's work that the perception of the food you eat plays a real part in how it's digested and what it turns into. So, yeah, Jack's really good at sort of giving his body what he needs, looking after it. And and, and it's no coincidence. It's not actually, you know, for a long time, we tried to coach Jack away from like, the way he eats, said like, oh no, you should be eating better watch, food. They and can't watch me all the time then, can but, they? Yeah. <laughs> but the problem with like me and Tara doing that was we didn't understand his perception. And his perception was, I need fuel, I need energy, so I'm going to eat these five croissants. You know, Tara can't apply that to herself because if she eats five croissants, she feels... Bad about it. Yeah, yeah. bad about it, yeah. And, and and as a result, it is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, she has a physiological um, bad response to it. Me personally as well, I, you know, I am like middle ground between you two are. I eat a bit of stuff to fuel me, but I don't like to excess. You're kind of a bit excess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Tara is very lean and very, and, and it's whatever works for you in terms of your perception and what you think makes you better. Yeah. Is I, the key. I think, yeah, where I was trying to go with my, my sort of point there is I think like, I, I think people sometimes overcomplicate it. I think like I need to have five meals a day. I yeah. need to have it this time. And I think like you've got to listen to your body. Like yeah. I'm very good because I'll, I'll eat when I'm hungry. Yeah. And if I'm not hungry, I won't eat. And it's kind of like in and around that. And I think it's a kind of sign that your body's, my body's telling me that when I'm hungry, or maybe I've just got so in tune to it over, over such a long period of time. Yeah. And I always said to Max, is in a sense of like, like something's better than nothing sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. I'd, I'd rather have something than, than not eat anything. And, and, and so it has been Greg's in the morning, <laughs> or it has been a KFC wrap for the day. Johnny's listening to this now, and he's uh, going, "Shit, we're gonna have to do yeah. <laughs> ten more podcasts." We've gone, to we've gone uh, back to step yeah, one now. To, uh, to to anyway. Um, so moving on then to the final piece of today's podcast, which is the workout, which is um, what uh, our discussion on what really works for mobility. This is spawned off the back of a conversation on um, chalking. Is, I can't is it, is, I think it's called chalking fitness, which is yeah, um, one of like the he does like news sports, doesn't he? Chalking fitness. No, not him then. Talking elite fitness, maybe it's the one with Pat Sherwood and Adrian Bosman was on, oh, and they had a discussion to this length. And, and I think it's really important for people for us to breach this as well. So this is my experience of mobility. You know, I come from an endurance running and bodybuilding background. 
So when and I think genetically, Jack would probably agree with me. I'm not a particularly mobile person. He's stiff, <laughs> big stiff idiot. Stiff. Um, and so when I walked into a CrossFit gym, I was so mobile. Like I was one of those guys who couldn't overhead squat PVC pipe. Um, still can't. Yes, yeah, yeah, still struggle. <laughs> still need a fifteen minute warm today. Uh, and I was also one of those guys who couldn't squat, but like literally, I couldn't squat below parallel without feeling like I was going to fall over. Um, so. I've had a big journey in terms of mobility. Jack's probably on the other side of that spectrum, I'd say. Yeah, I've got stiffer, but in a good way. Yeah, so, yeah, go on. You tell them about... Yeah, well, I was going to talk about about you or when we first started training together. It was Mm -hmm. kind of a bit of a... A bit of a common joke, wasn't it, about how bad yeah. your uh, <laughs> mobility was? Yeah. And I remember we used to we used to do this thing when we used to come come together, and we'd like there was me, there was Griff, um, <laughs> there was uh, sorry, um, uh, there was Alex, and we used to put all our free sessions together on the board. Yeah. We used to just chin off what Griff was doing, and then yeah. and do our sessions. But we used to do mobility for like half an hour of that session, didn't we? we Every did. time, just because Max was so stiff. Yeah. And we, we spent a lot a lot of time trying to trying to do it. And if I'm really honest, I don't think we made that much progress. Made yeah. that much progress. No. And that's probably going to lead us lead us to where we're going to go. Exactly. And and yeah, jumping in there. But prior to those sessions with Jack and Al and Griff and all those mobility things that I did, I'd done three years more than that. Sorry, five years of like things to help my mobility because I wasn't stupid. When I walked in, I was aware that I needed to work on my mobility. But my knowledge at the time and the coach's knowledge at the time was pretty poor. Mm-hmm. So when I walked in, there was um, phone rolling was the key to yeah. all mobile mobility. Yeah, the cro- the phone roll and, and then maybe a bit of bands. So there was a guy called Kelly Starrett who came out with um, Silver Leopard, Leopard. Yeah, and that was like the bible for mobility. So when I walked in, you know, and I couldn't squat very well. People were going, oh, you need to roll. You need to foam roll this and foam roll that. So, uh, like, and I'm the type of person who takes things literally. So, like, yeah, someone yeah. says to me, you need to roll. I roll all he the time. He was making love to that roll. Yeah, <laughs> there's a reason he's cracked. I was, I was <laughs> rolling literally, like, 20 minutes before every session, hoping it would help, well, thinking it would help me with my mobility, but it didn't. Um, the other thing was bands. You know, there was a lot of banded mobilizations and things of, like, joint distractions and things that were popular at the time which I don't want to say didn't work because they potentially did, but not in the way that I thought they were yeah. going to. Yeah. So let's talk about, right. So in the, by the way, guys, this isn't science. This is two lads with 10 years of training under their belts each, giving, giving you their opinion on what's worked for them and, uh, and what's not. Stretching did nothing for me, static stretching. So this is, you know, hold for two minutes, this hamstring stretch or, you know, quad stretch, whatever. Has it ever worked for you, Jack? No, I think we had a little little bit of a chat beforehand and yeah. like I rarely, rarely do static stretching. I think the only time that we have done it really is, is on a rest day. Mm-hmm. And as um sort of Max said in more of a recovery standpoint, rather than actually trying to create new range and create strength in that new range. Yeah. Um I think that I, I listened to this thing a few years ago, it's from from uh, the JST guys. And they're kind of like your body's your body's clever it won't let you go into positions where it's going to get themselves injured and you think like a static a static stretch um your body gets to a point where it's near that end range and it's like nah nah don't go any further you'll injure yourself and that's why if you, you go into a static stretch you kind of like you feel that resistance he's stretching now by the way everybody yeah i'm stretching yeah i'm limbering up yeah <laughs> we're growing um yeah and, and so you're just holding that position your body's never going to let yourself get into that range and that's why like dynamically you kind of build you build the confidence in or your body's confidence that you can get a little bit deeper range. That's where 
I don't know, we'd prefer to spend a lot more of our time in the dynamic rather than the static. Yeah. So I think that there is utility in um, static stretching, but not in what people think it is. So I don't think it helps improve mobility. What I do think it does is two things. One, it's a parasympathetic driver. So stretching is a signal to your body that you can kind of chill out and relax. Mm. And I think that if you're in a recovery day or recovery after a session, stretch is good for that. It's like a trigger. Okay, I'm in relaxed mode now. I can chill. Second utility is maintaining range across a training week. So we've all done it. You train on Monday, you're fine. Tuesday, you're a bit stiff and a bit tight. Wednesday, a bit stiffer and a bit tighter. Get around to Thursday and you're like hanging on. Everything, like in, your, yeah, yeah. everything in your body's tight and sore. And I think that stretching is a useful tool in between sessions to maintain the range you've already got rather than let it diminish. Um, and so that's why things like ROMWOD are useful for mobility because they protect or maintain your range across a training week, but they don't build range over time, mm. um, in my opinion. Foam rolling uh, gives you a slight, basically what foam rolling does is is, is numb the nerve ending. Yeah, yeah. So you don't re really feel that stretch until much deeper in the range. Mm -hmm. So it helps prior to a session to lengthen up a range so that you can then train it, but it's not gonna, Do foam rolling in itself is not gonna Do you think like foam rolling in the crossboard and why it kind of came so popular and why maybe people believe it works is it because you can feel something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it hurts. So you're yeah, like, oh, it must be working. working. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like they've done studies on yeah. this, haven't they? Where they've put like, you love knowing this from your sports mm. therapy backgrounds, like they've put like a tons worth of pressure yeah. on a muscle belly and seen if it's stretched it. It's not, not stretched. Oh, yeah. What it does is just like numb those nerve endings a little bit. So you feel like you're safer, like Jack's talking about that safeness. Is, it happens later on yeah. in the range of yeah. motion. And, and I think there's a reason why people think that these things work and that's because they do all of these things work if they're followed up by yeah. active range yeah. strength um likewise with bands bands useful because they basically i like to call bands lazy man stretching because you don't have to do anything for it you know bands just provide that tension for you and put you in a stretch they work as long as they're followed up by full range of motion, active range of motion. So let's go into what we think actually works then, Jack. And you dubbed this lengthen and strengthen, which I really like as a phrase. Yeah, so I think like what a lot of the sort of areas that we've focused on recently has sort of been this lengthen and strengthen stuff. So this is where I kind of like was leading into the dynamic stretching. And this is generally for us, we'll do this on like a sort of daily basis in some format with um, our warm-ups or before a session, is we kind of create range dynamically and like I was saying with the static, static stuff, you've got to build the confidence that your body, stood to your body that you can work in that range and you can be safe in that range because your body's trying to protect you at all times really, isn't it? Um, so the dynamic stuff just gives you like, inches you a little bit more into that range. And then you've got to build strength in that range. Like again, like your body's never going to let you go into a range that you're not strong. That's why the end range for a lot of the movements, it, it like guards you in that position or your, your, your tensor up. So you've got to develop strength within that range. And that's where, I don't know, maybe for example, we might do some, bodyweight RDLs and then we might go into some weighted RDLs afterwards in, in, in that new range um, and we found for us anyway definitely that's kind of like where we've created more range and created more mobility and putting ourselves in those sort of positions. Make sense? Absolutely mate yeah yeah uh, RDLs are a brilliant example like my hamstrings were pretty awful when I opened the gym um, in that I was loading my back all the time because my hamstrings were 
short and so anything past what a barbell height is would load up my back um so what did i do to actually fix that and actually now i'd say my hamstrings are in a pretty decent place probably better than yours yeah maybe I'd yeah. say yes a bit, a bit more bending out. um is is active range rdl so what, what I mean by that is keep your hamstrings on. Don't just flex through your back. Keep your ham, hamstrings on in a hinged position, right the way in that end range, in that sticky bit where your body don't really want to go yeah, there. Yeah. Like spend some time there, do holds, do positions in and out. And eventually your hamstrings will learn that that position is safe and therefore give you access to that. And that only works with length and strength and cycles. And RDL is a length and strength and cycle in itself. But what you could also do is a two minute stretch on a box hamstring stretch yeah. with your leg up and then go into a hamstring curl mm. with full range. Yeah. That would also work as long as you are opening up range and then strengthening that range, yeah. opening up and strengthening. The beauty of the RDL is it's so quick, isn't it? Yeah, because you yeah, do yeah. both of them in that one, yeah. one cycle. Talking about like, um, so, so let's look at recover, you know, Lorna, and what she delivers and why I believe in it and why I've allowed, you know, I've put it on the timetable for everybody and, and invested in Lorna as the coach in yoga is because yoga does work. It you does, know, yeah. it, there's a reason all these yogas super flexible, uh, yogis, sorry, um, super flexible. And that's because it is active end range control. Mm. You put Lorna in on a Sunday and she does, you know, uh, whatever it is, warrior three pose or whatever. That is like your hamstrings are at right end range. Your adductors are right at end Sweating range. Buckets. Sweating yeah. buckets. And you actually, anyone who's done one of Lorna's classes will know it's not easy. You're not, you're not um, chilling out. I distinctly remember one moment <laughs> doing one of Lorna's classes. Everyone around me was looking beautiful in these deep positions, and me and me and Aaron Baxter made eye contact. We were both looking like shaking. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, and and like so, so, yeah, yoga does work. Let's go on. Like, what does actually really work? Mm. Yoga does because of the fact that it's active end range. You know. Um, I should say this particular type of yoga, you know, yeah. um, you know, uh, the vinyasa stuff that Lorna does um, is useful. Let's go a little bit bigger. We've gone into like some tools and tactics. Well, just before we go on quickly, I was going to, go. um, I was going to just kind of talk about the sort of build cycle and yeah, the sort of anti-fragile stuff that we've been doing. Yeah, awesome, mate. So yeah, this is addition. like the the whole reason that we're we're doing this anti-fragile stuff because. I think a lot of us as CrossFitters, and I've suffered from this, we've got good strength in the range that CrossFit, in a lot of the CrossFit movements. Yes. For example, for me, like deadlifting to a, a floor, completely fine with. And a few years ago, we threw in a program, a deficit deadlift. Yeah. And I ended up pulling pulling my back out because of it. Yeah. Um, and that's generally just because I didn't have any strength in that range. So I had to compensate for my back. Or yeah. I wasn't active from my hamstrings in that range, so my back took over and my back took all the load. So the reason that we're doing this anti-fragile stuff and trying to work yourself in these different kind of ranges is to kind of essentially stop that happening. Yeah. Build some strength in some kind of unusual positions, positions that you might find yourself yeah. in within CrossFit to bulletproof your back and bulletproof the different positions. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Like, like yeah, well done, mate, for adding that in because it's really important for members to see value in why we do that stuff. Like, we do active end range stuff because end range dynamic contractions with lots of load is essentially what happens with injuries. That is yeah. your injury. You are end range, you can't control it. You've got a lot of load on, you compensate, you hurt yourself somewhere, right? So what we do is we put you in your end range and then we gradually build that up yeah. and eventually you get a tolerance to that end range. And obviously the better and the more fuller ranges you have, the less chance of getting injured, yeah. um, which is wicked. And that's why it's a feature of the program. 
Okay, bigger level is this kind of dial. I'd like the mem members now who are listening to picture a dial of tension, um, high tension and low tension. And you probably have to work out where you're at on that scale. And this is quite an interesting one to look at Jack and look at me in terms of a contrast in terms of athletes, yeah? So on one side, you've got the yogis, low tension, super low tension. And you don't want to be there if you're a crossfitter because you need tension. Tension is really important. Anyone who's done a workout where they're a bit gassed and a bit fatigued and then they have to lift every bar will know how important tension is. You need to be able to generate tension. These people struggle with heavy lifting, you know, with generating the quiet, the massive amounts of top to toe tension that you need to clean and jerk a heavy weight. On the other side, you get these big stiff bodybuilders. Yeah. You know, they've just done strength training their whole lives and they're high tension. They're stiff as anything, stiff as a board, but they're also really strong. So you can give those people a lift during a workout and they can generate that tension. They can lift really well. Big up Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan's on that side yeah. of the spectrum. Um, and then sort of as a crossfitter, you want to be somewhere in between. You want to be able to, because that by the way, isn't a, lots of tension isn't a great idea in a workout, you know, because you don't want to do everything with high tension. You want to be able to relax when you need to and produce force when you need to. So that middle ground is really important. So if we look at Jack, when he arrived, he was probably a low tension athlete, lots of range, really good lockout, really good depth on his squats, you know, gen you know, generally a lower tension. If you turn that dial towards the left, me, I was more on the right in that I was like stiff, no range, um, I'd only done bodybuilding and, and uh, running, so which don't demand range. So I'd, I've not, I didn't require that range. So I sort of shrinked, shrinked, is that a word? Uh, shrunk. Shrunk is the word. Good yeah. lad. GCSE uh, maths coming in, uh, GCSE <laughs> English coming in. Um, and the dial for me was slightly higher. So through training together, we've both changed our tensionometer. Let's call it tensionometer. Jax has come more to the right and actually it's quite funny for me at times now to see Jack, who once was the mobility king, struggling with certain mobility things that we present ourselves with. Yeah. Would you agree? Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Um, things that Jack would like find easy. For example, those windmills that we do on the floor, those T-spine windmills, he used to be able to get all the way around. Now he's struggling. And, and that, that's not a bad thing, by the way, because his jerk's gone up. Mm. You know, there's like a good and a bad, isn't yeah. it? Um, Trade-off to be honest. Likewise with me, like, my um, tension has gone down a little bit, which has meant that my range has improved. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I can do things like, for example, my squat cleaning is now better than my power clean, which it previously wasn't and so on and so forth. So it's like, I've got to turn those dials. So you know where you're sat at. Someone like Lorna, who's the yoga coach, she's like just slightly to the left now. Mm -hmm. She's got a background of mobility and range yeah. and low tension when she first came in she was probably exactly a lot but now she's training more strength and she's sort of getting really good at crossfit she's turned her dial slightly to the right um and so yeah the mobility and flexibility are factors of tension as well as um actual range of the muscle, yeah. muscle belly as well so it's like a level above that um so yeah what 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 uh to sort of wrap up if, if you're on a, if you're a type of person who thinks I need to work on this position, mm -hmm. uh, what advice would you give someone? Let's say, for example, we talked about Joe Bates recently yeah. joined new member who seems to be struggling with the overhead position. 
what was your advice to him and what worked? Yeah, so I was, I was just, we were having this chat beforehand actually and about um, about what's the sort of best way to get get, get into or develop um, mobility in these positions and it's really, really simple answer. I just think you've got to spend more time in these mm. positions. Um, I know it's difficult and there's, there's different ways that you can do that. It's not saying like, oh, right, you can't overhead squat, try and get an overhead squat position because you, you won't. You've got to scale that back like you would any, any workout. So for example, we'll just use Joe as an example because it's actually really cool yesterday we had a snatch class and to see him actually full squat snatching. So he's always struggling. He's a probably high tension guy. Like he's done oh, a yeah. lot of, lot of yeah. body work, very fit guy. Similar to me, bodybuilding, yeah, and, bodybuilding um, background, and running. Big, big guns, big chest, got a rig on him, yeah. good lad. Good looking guy. Yeah, 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 good looking guy. Um, but he's, he's really struggled because of the tension with his, um, with his overhead position. And it's, it's very expensive for him at the minute. He's working a lot harder than someone for like Lorna, for example, will like to have that barbell in the overhead position. So he's been done a lot since he started, empty barbell work, like he's really scared the weights back, like fives on at most at times. He's been chocking his heels up to give him actually like a deeper position. Mm. Uh, and over sort of time, him getting into like, getting into emulating that sort of overhead squat position. Like yesterday, he did a, he did a full, full, full squat snatch without any plates. I've gotten straight out, out in the plates and he was hitting a full depth position. So the simple answer to that is you've just got to spend more time in the positions and, and like a workout or like any other movement, you can scale that movement to spend time in the positions. So you can chop your heels up when you want to get into a, to a bottom squat position, um, stuff like that, etc. Yeah. Reduce the range when you're doing an, an RDL, reduce the range. Don't need to go all the way down to the floor of your back. Just like spend time in these different positions Yeah. and it will develop and it will come and you'll, you'll, you'll build range in that. Yeah. Movement. So just to contrast that journey for me, like Joe walks into this gym and because we have kind of experienced that ourselves, I have, we put chocks under his heels, we put the bar up overhead, we give him time in that position, we keep the light, weights, light, weights light and allow him to actually develop end range strength, he improves. If Joe walked into a CrossFit gym six years ago, or 10 years ago, like I did, yeah, they'd have said, go over to the corner, do some foam rolling and Passwords. put some bands around, around the rig and stretch and then do squat therapy up against the wall and it would not work mm, yeah. uh, because he would do all of that and then the session would be deadlifts yeah. <laughs> and he wouldn't and follow it up with movement. And actually that was the only time that I started to see progress myself was when I, in terms of a squat snatch, if I couldn't squat snatch was when I bought a pair of lifters, put a bar up overhead and started spending time in yeah. the overhead position. Yeah. And, and actually strengthening the positions that I needed. Yeah, I think this is like quite important, um, maybe for the members to sort of understand and like uh, how we sort of coach. Mm. And you, we see these people that are struggling with a, a struggling with an overhead squat or struggling to have a bar over there. Like naturally, as a person or as someone who's doing the class, you want to like change it up some way, don't you? Mm. In, a, in a sort of sense, like I might I'll just do uh, front squats instead of doing overhead squats in the workout. And we're like, I'd say very. Like not pushy, but like right now you're going to do overhead squats and you're yeah. doing like lightweight. But like it's not as heavy. But this is this is the sort of reason why because mm. you've got to take those steps towards towards that. And if you don't if you don't take the steps or you always take the the way out, you're never yeah. going to build range in that position. The, the chocks is an interesting one because I would have previously, in my pigheadedness, said that they were a cheat yeah. or unnecessary. But actually, just looking at them as a tool now, knowing what I know, I'm like, what do they do? They increase range of motion. Yeah. What do they do? Give you a chance to load that range mm -hmm. of motion. Brilliant. Yeah, what a tool yeah. mobility. That is exactly what we're looking for. Length and, and strengthen. And that's something that's like for you in your own squat. Like if you yeah. said three years ago, you'd, you'd be hitting Astagraph squats like 
you'd never be able to do it. And you put, you put, you put yourself on the heel, you're literally like right down. Mm-hmm. And you're right, that's building range in that position and it's building strength in that position. So when you actually do go back to like a normal back squat or you go back to a normal front squat, you can actually have the strength to get into that position. Whereas yeah. before you were no, like you're nowhere near. No chance, yeah. And like, again, like, like range of motion is so important with the, Olymp- the Olympic lifting for, because we, we had it with me for squatting, for example, like back squat, I could squat over 200 kilos back squat, but then I'd get set, sat under a 140, 145 clean and I wouldn't be able to stand, stand, it, up, yeah. stand it up. And and we kind of like assessed my back squat, for, exa- for example, and I was hitting range, just hitting range. Like my bum was just below parallel, but I never actually spent any time in the position below, below parallel. So whenever I catch a clean, obviously, with the pull element in it, and I sit right, right at the bottom. I just had no, I hadn't worked that position at all. So there's mm. like no wonder I couldn't stand, stand it up. So there's definite carryover. Sometimes it is better to, and there's some of these strengthening, strengthening sessions to just lower the weight and, and work the range. And this is why we we kind of stress the importance with when you're doing your back squats or when you're doing your front squats that it's not just because it's like a standard to go ask. Uh, ass below knees is it it's yeah. like it's to develop that range develop the strength which carries over into yeah. a lot lot of sweat because moves. what you don't want to do is not have that strength yeah. catch a clean at the bottom try and stand it up yeah. and then injure yourself yeah. because you're at a yeah. range that you can't yeah. drop and it's also on, on, a, on an early standpoint when you've got got members coming in like it's so hard to change once you've done it uh, you've been doing it for some for a very long time and again mm-hmm. we'll use rachel o'connor for example like a lot of early years in CrossFit, we kind of maybe let her go away with, with not hitting pa- parallel on the squat and she's mm. had to strip it right back now. But yeah, sorry, Rach. Yeah, sorry, Rach. Yeah, as, a, as a result, she's had little injuries, but now she's developing range, she's developing strength, she's looking really, really good. And that's probably from us learning, yeah, learning from big that. Learning yeah, point, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, like, go back to your story, mm. just to balance that out, Jack changed his back squat. He let go of the fact that it hit what yeah, was it, two, yeah. 225 or two fifteen. Two fifteen. Yeah. So he hit two fifteen back squat. He let go of that number, restarted with a much deeper range back squat, and then next thing you know, he's, hit, hit he's less weight in terms of the back squat. Clean, but my, my clean, yeah. clean went up by ten fifteen kilos. Exactly. Yeah, so, and we're on that process now with a lot of people, you know, with uh, Jordan and you know people like that mm-hmm. rebuilding. So yeah, hope that was useful, guys. Hope you. Uh, took something away from that. If you have any uh, questions about mobility, then obviously you can speak to the coaches. Yeah. Any um, nutrition questions, just send and, them yeah. <laughs> If you want some more discussion on yeah. protein, then just text Jack at KFC Lover 196. <laughs> KFC customers, customer relations. <laughs> right, uh, right, catch you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi guys, Tom from Stonewolf here. We're a UK-based fitness apparel brand who sponsor the Shire Fit team. We'll be releasing our brand new performance t-shirts on the 31st of August 2023 and they'll be available in teal and blue. They're performance based because they're sweat wicking and antibacterial. You can find these on our website stonewallfitness.com and use the code SHIREFIT for 10% off. Thank you for listening to the SHIREFIT podcast with Max and Johnny. Don't forget to like and subscribe and we will see you next week for another episode.